This week is Parshas Bo, and we're really reaching the climax of the Exodus story. Last week's Parsha Vaera, the one we read yesterday, that contains seven, the first seven of the ten plagues, and Parsha's bow contains the last three. But it also kick starts really a new a new a new phase in the Torah and in the Jewish nation. Now the Jewish people are actually maturing into a nation. And right away at the Exodus, at this juncture in the Exodus, they start getting a torrent of mitzvos. Uh, and of course, the first mitzvah involves the paschal lamb, the, the to bring a, the sacrifice on the day of the Exodus, which is going to be repeated uh, throughout history. And of course, today we have the seder, which is not a fulfillment of the mitzvah, but it is modeled after the everything that happened then. And we start talking about tefillin and going to Israel and all these mitzvahs at the end of the parsha. And it seems like these two ideas are converging. Now the nation is maturing with the Exodus. And, okay, now what do we do as a nation? That's the mitzvos. And there is a critical commentary from the Ramban here that every year I like to revisit it, um, if possible. My grandfather used to say about this particular comment of the Ramban is that every Jew should memorize it. So we're not going to make everyone memorize it. But I was thinking maybe to go through it, at least selected points, because it's really fa- like foundational stuff. This is the foundational juncture of the nation. This is when the nation is founded. Uh, in fact, we re- even read in the Shema that the Almighty took us out of Egypt and made, the, and made us his nation. And that a theme is repeated many times throughout Scripture, that the Exodus taking us out of Egypt, selecting us, so to speak, plucking us out from amongst the Egyptians, and that's like kind of choosing us as his people, as, as his nation. Of course, it was preordained to Abraham, Isaac, that there's going, there's going to be this nation, but this is when it's actually being implemented. It's being executed, uh, the plan. Uh, and the Ramban, he, he really pieces together a lot of critical ideas and themes of our belief and our faith and our uh, theology and our religion. And he even begins, he's like, I'm going to tell you a secret. That's how he begins, so which, which really should perk our interest. So I want to just go through it and, and see what he says. It's a little bit lengthy, but I'm going to make it, try to make it really interesting. And he begins... I always want to read the first line. Va'ata Omer betam mitzvos rabbis. Now I'm going to tell you a principle in the reason of many mitzvos. And as we know, every one of the holidays, and even Shabbos, the holiday we celebrate every week, there is parts of our liturgy associated with the holiday that we say, Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, as a remembrance for the Exodus from Egypt. It's almost as if there's this touch point in our history that we're always trying to go back to, we're always trying to revert back to Exodus, and as if that's something so critical. So he's going to piece together how the Exodus fits in into the nation, not just as a matter of history, something that happened uh, according to Jewish sources. It's 1312 before the Common Era. It's a long time ago. What is that? Uh, uh, 3,329 years ago? So it's a long time ago. And, of course, we look at it as a historical uh, mark, mark or landmark event, of course, because we were slaves and, now, and then we became free. But it, Ramban's telling us it's actually not just something we look back as something that happened in the past. Rather, it's something that we, re- are, we are revisiting and re-experiencing every time we do a mitzvah. And every, every Shabbos, when we say Kiddush, we say, Zecher Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We invoke it, Kiddush. Yesterday, we, made, we had Shabbos. And we spoke about the Exodus. So it's not something that's ancient history. It's something that's very relevant to our religious practice today. So he's going to try to explain that, that point. 
and he begins with a history of heresy. How did things go wrong? You know, well, Torah and mitzvot and, and Judaism is trying to rectify something that went wrong. Since the times of Enosh, the grandson of Adam, there's all kinds of corruption in faith. There's various different uh, ideologies that they started to have misunderstandings about proper faith. Some of them, for example, he says, they don't believe at all in God. They think the world's been around forever, and, and, and therefore there's no beginning. There's no beginning. You don't need to have a beginner, which was, of course, very popular during the times of Ramban. In fact, it was very popular for thousands of years. Now it's not popular anymore. And he says, that, well, that's some people. And other people say, you know what? There is a creator. But the creator doesn't know anything. He doesn't know like what we're doing, our actions, our thoughts. It's, you know, the creator is, so to speak, involved in the creator's sphere, but not in ours. And there are those who say, well, the creator knows, but doesn't really care, doesn't really involved. You know, I would say this maybe would be Einstein's God. Einstein was one who would say, yeah, maybe he could understand the idea of a creator, but the fact that the creator of the cosmos would be interested in us humans and this tiny little rock called earth that would matter in the grand sphere of things that's like that was like einstein's big thing to overcome and he says oh, well that that exists in the times of Ramban as well people believed in the idea of god and the, and the infeasibility of it all happening on its own but they didn't believe that god actually has all the power and all the knowledge and all the interest to be involved in the lives of humans of course, as an extension, says the Ramban, if people don't believe that God is involved in our lives, then our lives don't have any meaning because uh, there's no reward and punishment. So there's no consequences. And no matter how you live your life, it doesn't ultimately matter according to this worldview because if there's no consequences to how you live your life, then there's no consequence. It's inconsequential. It doesn't have any meaning. And then he says, okay, so that's the history of heresy. When God is desirous of a nation or an individual, God's going to send him a message and it's going to change the rules of the world and the nature of the world. And what happened? What happens when the miracle happens? In an instant, all those ideas of heresy, they dissolve. They disappear. Because once you see God's actually involved in your life and has the power to suspend nature, Obviously, nature is not fixed, so God exists. And if God is intervening in the world, in, in, in the activities of a nation or of individuals, obviously, God knows and God is involved. So, a miracle actually is the greatest proof of faith and something that totally upends all the heresy. And he, and he explains, because it shows that there's, there's, there's a God and the God is actually involved in the world and he knows, and he's, and, he's, and he's aware, and he's capable. And in addition, when a miracle happens, but it's pre-ordained, pre-foretold by a prophet. The prophet says, this is going to happen. Moshe says, this is good. the water's going to turn into blood. Or any one of the ten plagues. Or if it happens with a warning from a prophet, that actually proves another point. That God communicates with humans. Which is the two pillars of our faith is, a, the idea of God, and B, the idea of Torah. Torah is a divine ideas communicated to us. So that's the twin pillars of our faith. 
can be proved via miracle, a miracle told prior to a prophet. Because it shows to us that the Almighty will reveal his secrets to his prophets. And through that, once you have that, he says, Ramani, you have all of Torah. Because once you have proof of God and proof of Torah, that's, that's been established. And therefore, he goes through some of the story, like the Exodus story. It's miracle after miracle after miracle that almost all of them, Moshe is telegraphing what's going to happen right beforehand. And he describes exactly the way it happens. And he even gives Pharaoh choices. You want it like this? You want it like that? When do you want the frauds to disappear? You want them to disappear today, right now, in an hour, tomorrow? When do you want? What's up to you? And Pharaoh, of course, tries to trick him and says, I want it done tomorrow. And it's like, oh, you want it tomorrow? Okay, I'll get rid of it tomorrow. And that's anxiety. What happens? Everything that Moshe does, it, and, and everyone sees this, and what do you have? You have proof of God and, and proof of communication of God to humans through, through the prophets. And that's why, so remind, if you read the Exodus story, what do you see again and again? What, what theme is being hit upon again and again so that everyone will know that God is in control? And he goes through some of the verses, many verses, in order that you will know, in order that Egyptians will know, uh, that there's no one like me amongst all the... And, and he points out that each one of these is, is referring to a different aspect of our faith, of our theology. That God knows, that God is aware, that God is capable, that God intervenes. All those aspects that the heretics reject, each one of them is highlighted in a different aspect of the miracles of the Exodus. and. Therefore, he says, all these miracles and all these signs and all these wonders are righteous witnesses testifying in the faith of God and the Torah completely. So that, that's the next point, that we have heresy, but we have that being changed with miracles, and the miracles of the Exodus are indeed that. Then he says another point, okay, well, what about today? 27, 20, that's not 2017 anymore, it's 2018. 2018, where are the miracles today? Give me some blood. Give me the split in the sea. Right? Show me. I'm here. Show me. And he says another point. No. Because God doesn't do a miracle or a wonder to every generation, to the eyes of every wicked person or every heretic. The, the mind doesn't work like that. The mind is very selective in how he dispenses these proofs, these, these miracles. You can't have that, uh, or the way he decided is that it's not that every person in every generation, at every point in time in history, every wicked person says, show me a proof. Right? The mighty says, okay, I'll show you. It doesn't work like that. First of all, if it did like, if it did work like that, we know it would upend free will. Because once there's immediate proofs on demand, then there's no ability to reject that. And there has to be an ability to reject that. But there's the problem. What about, what do we do today? Those miracles happened. What do, you, what do we say? 3,329 years ago? It's a long time ago. It's a, if it's a long time ago, how are we going to keep this amazing faith that we developed in Egypt? How are we going to retain that? How are we going to keep it alive? That's the next problem. Okay, at the Exodus, that's the founding of the nation because that's when it became clear to everyone. Like The twin pillars of Jewish faith were firmly established in the eyes and the hearts of everyone. But now we have a problem. The mighty is not going to perpetuate those that treatment, those miracles, for the rest of time. Well, for the, indeed, for the next forty years, the rest of the Torah, there are ongoing, present miracles all the time. They're going to start diminishing afterwards. Yes, even once they enter the land, there's going to be prophets. 
but there's still going to be a diminishing and d- a dissipation of the miracle slowly. And then it's going to disappear for the most part, certainly on a national scale. So what now? How do we make sure that the people don't forget and the, and the religion, the faith, which is based upon these revelations, it doesn't go away as well? Therefore, in order to fend off this problem, the Almighty commanded us that we should always make a remembrance and a sign to that that our eyes saw. And we should transmit this matter to our sons and our sons to their sons and their sons to the sons that come after them until the last generation. And he says, like, this is why, like, you look at the Jewish, the Torah, how many mitzvahs oriented around the Exodus? So he gives an example. He says, we know we're not supposed to eat chametz and Pesach, leavened bread and Pesach. And it's one of the mitzvahs that has a very severe punishment. It's called the punishment for it in the Torah. It's called karis for consuming chametz on Pesach. Karis it means to be cut off. He's not killing someone, right? Be cut off from the Jewish nation, to be disenfranchised, to be severed from their spiritual source is a very harsh punishment. Why is it so harsh? So he says, like this is so important because refraining from eating chametz on Pesach. That's part of the collective body of mitzvos that are oriented around this holiday, which are all there to, to remind us collectively as a nation about the original Pesach and the foundation and the formation of the, of the, of the religion. And therefore, it's so important. It's, it's not just a mitzvah, a culinary choices. It's a mitzvah that really goes to the heart and the roots of our nation. And therefore, he gives so many examples that there's, you can't leave the Pesach off. You can't leave it for a second. Uh, you can't break bone. All these mitzvos that are oriented around them. And the, the, the ultimate end objective is to have this touch point with this link going all the way back to the Exodus to when our religion was founded and when the proofs were abundantly clear for everyone. What does it say in the mezuzah? You open up any mezuzah. What does it mention there? It mentions the Exodus. The Almighty is telling you, put this on your door. Every door post. Every, every time you walk through a door frame, remember the Exodus. How many times do you walk through a door for him in a day? Hundreds of times? Every single time you're supposed to stop. And some people have a custom to kiss the mezuzah. I know people who don't kiss the mezuzah. They just put their hand in it. And they just think for a second. And they just have this daily touch point throughout your day. We live in a world that's trying to make us – it's designed, it's by design, it's engineered to make us forget God. Because God is invisible in this world. But logically and uh, with the collective history of our nation – we have all these proofs within that within us, but we're, we're liable to forget them. So we need these signposts flashing at us throughout the day to remind us and to keep us in check. So you put it on every doorpost, and you remind yourself every morning and every night. We say the Shema, we mention, invoke the Exodus, and then you take it and you put it. You actually bind it to your to your head, and you put it next to your heart, and it gives all these examples. You sit in a sukkah every every year. What's the sukkah about? You move out of your house, move into the gazebo, and it's all there to remind you of the Exodus. And you're eating the matzah. What a strange food. You're eating crackers that are 35 cents a bite. It's, it's, who does that? Right? It's all there to remind us back, to bring us back to our spiritual roots. It was many, many, many examples. It's all there to be with us throughout the, throughout the generations as witnesses in all in these miracles that they shouldn't be forgotten. And we should not have an opening for heretics to repudiate the faith in God.
And he says, someone buys him, you buy him a zuzah. Someone just buys him a zuzah, and you think about what it, what it means. You already believe in God and Torah and everything. That's what he says, an astonishing point. A, a small action is a tacit acknowledgement of everything that it really implies. And it's incredible. There's a negative side, but there's also the positive side. All you do is just uh, buy him a zuzah, you recognize what it says in it, and, and the implications of that, boom. Like you, You've already committed an act of, of, of true faith. In, not just in God, but in everything that entails creator, sustainer, supervisor, and in Torah, and in prophecy, and in everything. And he adds, that's why every mitzvah is important, because every mitzvah reminds us of God, and reminds us of what we believe in. And he ends this uh, section, that every hour that a person performs a mitzvah, they demonstrate, they exhibit their faith in God. And the objective of all the mitzvahs is that we should believe in God, we should give thanks to him, that he created us. And that's the objective of creation. And there's no other reason for that we exist. And there's no reason why the Almighty wants us, only that we should develop a relationship with him and we should acknowledge him. This is a watershed juncture in uh, in the Torah. You know, this is the, it's the Exodus. And I think it's important for us to realize like what, what this means and, and why it's so, it's, it's so emphasized that the details of the story, it could have been shortened. And the Torah likes to give us abridged versions of stories. You read the Genesis story, a lot happened. We know. We live in a very elaborate world with many, many species. We get a very truncated version of the story. And that's that's by design because the money tells us in the Torah whatever it is we need to know and not, and not more and, and not less. And here with the Exodus story, we're given many, many details, everything that's happening. And the reason, says the Ramban here, is that this is really building the spiritual profile of our nation and of our faith and of our religion. And we're actually, every, everything we're doing today really is to bring us back to the mindset of the Exodus. Like if, if we could just transport us, our mind, back to what it was like at the Exodus to be plucked out of slavery by God in incredible miracles and to think of the relationship that someone who was who grew up a slave and couldn't think of any other life besides for servitude to Pharaoh and is suddenly on top of the world and we have motion, direct communication with God and we have all these miracles and we're surrounded by this miraculous topography flattening clouds by day, this pillar of fire at night and we're studying Torah all the time and we have the Sinai experience that we're going to see in a couple of weeks. And all these miracles, and we, we see our tormentors being systematically humbled by, by the Almighty. Just think about what a relationship that person would have with God. Our objective is to try to get ourselves today in our world, which is very different from that world, to get our objective to be harmonized with those who left. That's when the Jewish people were at their peak. And all the mitzvahs are there to bring us back, to restore that pinnacle existence of, of us as our nation. This is an incredible teaching here from the Rabban. I think it's, it's very relevant for us as Jews, but also just to, to give us an understanding of what's it all about. Like, if you were to just distill, like, why do we have so many mitzvahs? A lot of people think, you know, the mitzvahs are just a very elaborate way for the Almighty to make our lives miserable. All the things we can't do, all the things we have to do, that's what we think. But here he tells us what the objective is. The objective is that there was a certain mindset, a certain relationship that we had with God then 
because of all the miracles and all the evidence, everything that was that was brought to bear at the time, and everything that we have that, that is installed for the duration of Torah is to bring us back to that to that point spiritually, and that that's that's the only reason why we have mitzvahs. And Rahman adds, that's the only reason why we exist. That's the entire objective of create. Why did God create the world? It's that humans should have a relationship with Him. That's the answer. And how do we do that? Through the mitzvahs that the Almighty commands us. Pretty powerful lesson from the Rabban in this week's parasha.